Welcome to Season 8 of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. My name is John, and I'll be your guest host for this season while we talk with millennial pastors in the Church of the Nazarene who are committed to serving their church and their denomination. Well, in a study done by Research Services in the Church of the Nazarene Global Ministry Center, it compared lead pastors within the denomination from 2000 and 2019. Some interesting trends, of course, were revealed. The primary age for lead pastors within the Church of the Nazarene in 2000 was 35 to 54. In 2019, we see a shift of those exact pastors simply getting older and no new young pastors emerging. Well, we're here not to lament what happened, but to celebrate those who have stayed and begin to explore why. Why did they stay? And perhaps how can we encourage and create new opportunities for others to remain as well? Well, we're going to listen to pastor stories, hear from people who have spoken into their lives, and celebrate the choice that they have made to stay within our denominational walls. I am sure they are like me and have many of our friends and colleagues who have left. Uh, but, and I'm sure there's times that they have even contemplated leaving as well. But alas, here we are, and I know without a doubt the church is better because they have remained. Well, today's guest, I have Brad Siliker with us. He is Canadian, uh, which which is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brad, why don't you say hi? Oh, hey, everybody. I'm Canadian, and my name is Brad. Happy <laughs> to be here. Thank you, John, for having me. I love it. Um, I'm not, not trying to, to put you in a corner there, but it, 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 it's all good, man. It's worth celebrating. Uh, it, it's good. Um, well, Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where, where, where are you at? What are you doing? Um, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So uh, thank you for the introduction. My name is Brad Siliker, and I am a co-lead pastor at the Sherwood Church of the Nazarene in uh, in Prince Edward Island. So within Canada, go all the way to the right and then uh, get off the mainland and find this little island called PEI. And uh, and that's where we are. We're actually in the what's called the birthplace of Confederation. Um, so just a very, a very special, uh, special province, to be sure. It's actually my home province. I grew up here, but I've lived in, you know, in different places but landed back here. So I've been serving here uh, in this church for the last three years and recently came into the role of co-lead pastor, which is part of a transition plan with the, uh, who is also now co-lead pastor. His name is David Filsinger. He's been here almost 40 years. And uh, so wow. a very unique opportunity for me to come yeah. into uh, that kind of transition plan. About myself, um, I am just about 40. We're getting close to 40. <laughs> and uh, married, my wife Mandy and I have been married for 14 years, mm. and uh, we have a beautiful daughter named Harmony. She's 13, and we have a son uh, who his name is Jaden, and he is going to be 11 uh, in January. So birthday coming up quick, and uh, yeah, so we've been serving in ministry. I've been serving in full time ministry basically. Uh, oh my goodness. Pretty much since I was 18, 19, sure. uh, just kind of nonstop, you know, youth pastor and associate pastor, those those types of roles. And uh, I've absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved ministry, you know, not without its challenges, but yeah. but the blessings far outweigh any of that. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of a very short little bit of who we are. And uh, I'm just, like I said, happy to be here and have yeah. this conversation. It's, you said something uh, in your intro about how, 
um, people our age in ministry, we've seen this exodus and a lot yeah. of people leaving. And I have witnessed that in our own denomination and in others around. So, yeah. uh, you know, we need to talk about these types of things. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think that's, that's important to note is it's not just our denomination, right? It, um, I think all the evangelical churches and, and even non-evangelical churches, right? We're just, we're seeing not only a pastor drop out, but even just congregants, right? Of yeah, young people just understanding what maybe, maybe perhaps seeking a different kind of church, right? A, different form or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting because we are in what they call like the, um, postmodern age right now and what yeah. that looks like. But I will say this, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. One of the things that I found is a lot of people are asking more questions than they ever had. And while some of that, they, you know, they go through deconstructions and different things right. on their faith. And, and I understand that. But it also creates an opportunity for us, like there's maybe hasn't been in some time, to come in with some answers and not just the pad answers, but to journey with people. So I, you know, I, I see, I understand why the, the alarms are there and, and why we're concerned and right to be so. Uh, but the opportunity is is huge uh, there. So yeah, no, that's that's great, Brad, and and that's that's exactly what I want these conversations, I think, to be. Is is often the conversations are just. Oh no, the ship's sinking. What are we going to do? Um, there's nothing we can do, right? They just ask too many questions. Um, <laughs> and, and rather of saying, no, this is an opportunity, I think. I think this is absolutely an opportunity to rediscover why we do church, perhaps what are some new ways to do church, um, new ways to even to look at what leadership looks like, what pastoring looks like, um, and, and all those kinds of things. And so that's, um, yeah, what I hope, hope we can walk away with is maybe what church looks like for brad and um in canada right that that us in the states can learn from um oh beautiful. boy yeah <laughs> i guess we'll see <laughs> yeah no that's great that's great well before before we get there brad why don't you tell me more of your your kind of church story where did you where did you grow up what was your church history um sure yeah sure A absolutely so i i've actually grown up in the church of the nazarene oh cool um yeah my my parents uh my parents took me there as a kid, and when they when they divorced, that was still um, the plan, you know. So one mm -hmm. Sunday I went with mom, one Sunday I went with wow. dad, and it was you know it was interesting because the church has uh, two aisles, so you got your center row of pews and the pews on the on the wings. And so one Sunday I'd be on the left with dad and the family, uh, the other the other I'd be on the right with mom and the family. That's funny. Uh, so you know uh, what the enemy wanted to use for evil, to be sure, I was still in church on Sundays. Mm. Um, and so I grew up in the church of the Nazarene. I was going to try to find it before I got in the podcast, but uh, time did not allow. I actually still have my first membership card oh, that cool. I was given when I became a member of the church as a teen. And it's just one of those things that I've always had with me. So I, I like I said, grew up in the church and I went through all the, the programs that, that we would all know, things like caravans, you get your badges yes. and the scarf and the sash. And, and I, you know, I had all of that. Uh, it was through the Church of the Nazarene that I had opportunity to then serve. You know, mm -hmm. uh, as a teenager, I was invited into a ministry that was called Kids Town at the time, and it was like a it was a, a kids ministry that was geared with uh, you know puppets and songs right. and and a gospel message and and lots of games, things like that. So that was my first taste of leadership in the church, and uh, it was actually through that ministry that I sensed a call uh, into 
what I would say full-time ministry. Okay. But, but I should back up just briefly. Um, but long before then, probably 10 years prior to that, it was actually in the kitchen of the O'Leary Church of the Nazarene that my dad led me to when the Holy Spirit moved my heart. I was six years old in the service hearing this message. Uh, and I recognized that I needed Jesus, hmm. you know, as a six-year-old does and can. Yeah, and so my right. dad took me to the kitchen uh, and and prayed with me there, and I received Christ at six years old in the church. And then, um, you know, 10 years later, in the next room over, against this window that looks over the parking lot, I was standing there, and this overwhelming sense came over me, and as clearly as I've ever heard anything, uh, it wasn't an audible voice, but the words never sure. left me. And it was um, Bradley, because at the time, everyone called me Bradley. So yes. so did the Lord. Bradley, um, I, I want you to remember what it's like to be a teenager, because I want to use you to reach teenagers for me. Mm. And so at that moment, I never asked the question again of what am I going to do when I grow up? Yeah. going to be when I get older. It was, this is it. Uh, I'm going to be a youth pastor. <laughs> and, and, and I don't have to grow up. And I don't have to grow up. Yeah. It, it was, look, <laughs> now that I'm pushing 40, I'm, I'm so thankful for all of our youth leaders. Look, yeah. I'm looking, I know that no one sees the camera, but know that I've turned to the camera. Anyone listening that's in youth ministry, I love and appreciate you. Thank you for all that you do. We need you. Yes. Um, but so, you know, so I knew, I knew then that there was a call on my life for ministry. Mm. And what I sensed at the time was, uh, you know, vocational ministry, that this is what I'm going to do. I will not right. have some other thing. This is it, um, should the Lord allow. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's more in the teen years of developing and things like that. But then, uh, and, and there's all kinds of other stories to share, but I, I won't. I moved away and, uh, to a different province called New Brunswick, and I immediately got connected into a Nazarene church there called the Lutz Mountain Church of the Nazarene. And it was there as a young adult that I had opportunity to serve on the worship team. And I, you know, I had opportunity to, to step out and maybe even lead worship now and got involved with their kids ministry, got involved with the youth ministry. It was the first time that I had a paid position as um, a youth leader. Mm -hmm. So that Pastor Dale Thistle was the first pastor you know, beyond back in O'Leary, Pastor Mark Collins and, and others that, you know, they were certainly a huge part, but Pastor Dale was the first who he didn't know me. And he took this risk with me to go, sure. okay, I see some stuff in you. And he was the first one that introduced me to like the course of study and what licensing looks like and things like that through the church. And he was the first one to really challenge me, educationally speaking. Nice, yeah. Let me just say this. I sucked at going to university. I really yeah. struggled with with the tension of I'm learning about statistics and the English language, and I want to be at the church serving. Right. And I was too young and too prideful to recognize I should just humble myself to the process and get it done. Uh, so worked at the, worked at that church for a few years, and that's where I would meet my, um, my wife to be. And I'm just trying to think, you know, after that went to a different university, but left the church of the Nazarene. Okay and worked at, um, I, I taught music for a couple of years. This is a longer story and people will understand it. I had a, a season where I was just really wondering what's going on. Mm. Uh, what does ministry look like? Sure. What does, what does the church look like? And I had, I hadn't been hurt, but I'd struggled so hard with education that it really became this thing where I'm like, man, I am not adding up here. 
and yeah. I can't do this. And so got out of ministry for a season, not long, but taught music uh, full time. And then a, a friend of mine who was a pastor dropped my name to another pastor with a Baptist church and met with me. And again, I had this just sense of, I, I need to pursue this. Mm. I know it's not my denomination and we have some different views, but even then I was, you know, early twenties, I didn't really know a lot of right. all that. Yeah. So I, I, I took the position um, as the youth pastor at this Baptist church. And I, I'm sharing this because the first year I was there, I wasted that entire year. Mm. I hadn't grown up. I hadn't, you know, stepped up to the plate. I was right. just taking every advantage. Um, and the pastor, his name is John Tremblett. He did the best thing for me that anyone has ever done. He came to my house. He sat on my couch and I can still picture it. And he looked at me and he said, Brad, now people are calling me Brad. Right. Um, either either this is in you or it isn't. And he said, if it isn't, that's okay. We can we can go our separate ways. We can still be friends, but we won't continue to work together. But if it's in you, then you need to come, you need to step up to the plate. And and he offered to to walk with me through that. Mm. And that was, you know, when I was 16, I had this call and I was so sure. And then here I find myself in my early 20s, uh, mid-20s. Uh, sitting on a couch going, okay, this is, this is a crucial moment. You are either in or you're out. And yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And it changed the trajectory of my ministry wow. and, and how I look at ministry. So we were there for a few years and um, we could start a whole other podcast on why we left. And uh, I'm not going to go into the story there, but I had an opportunity then to go to the, um, cut me off whenever I've gone on too long, eh? You're good. Um, You're good. Oh, I, I dropped an A. Oh, you did straight I, I, up. I had committed not to saying oh. A. Ah, <laughs> oh. I love it. Can we start that, over? That was natural. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, we left the Baptist church and moved our family and sold the house and all that kind of stuff and moved to Oxford, Nova Scotia, the blueberry capital of Canada. Okay. And. and uh, and it was there under uh, Reverend Mark Collins, who is now our district superintendent, but then he was the senior pastor at the church. Uh, we were there for seven years under his leadership. And it was during that time that our family received uh, an amazing amount of healing and support. Mm. We had gone through the ringer in our previous situation. We stepped up to the plate and there was, there was circumstances outside of our control that just led to us getting hurt. Yeah. And... Uh, and were we perfect? No, nope, we weren't. Uh, but this was kind of outside of us and we just kind of got caught up in, in something. And, yeah. and so it was through Pastor Mark that we really received an awful lot of healing and an opportunity to serve and, and get, you know, he really walked with me. Um, Pastor Mark has walked with me most of my life. He was there as a teen when I was called into ministry. He was there when I went off the rails as a almost young adult. He was there, you know, I, he was the person I was calling when we were hurting so much and, sure. and he was there to bring me, uh, you know, under his wing. And so we were in the Oxford church for seven years. And it was then that I, I got into the course of study. Um, and that was a big thing for me because of how much education loomed over me. And I was terrified to get back in. Um, but it, the course of study through uh, Northwestern Nazarene University was just phenomenal, absolutely mm -hmm. phenomenal, and was able to complete that um, uh, last year, I guess, was when I completed that. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know what to do with my time. I'm not like doing classwork yeah. all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, but I served there as the youth pastor for, I want to say five years. And then as an associate for a couple of years, still with a major role in youth. It was during that season when I got involved on the district level and on our national level to some degree, uh, being the the district NYI president and then working with our regional NYI. And, and uh, that was just, that was phenomenal. I, you know, I'm biased because there are leaders on our district, but man, I feel like I've worked with some of the best people and best leaders. Sure. And I know we all say that. Um, you know, had opportunity to go on mission trips uh, that I hadn't before and experience the church in places like Cuba and, 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 and other places like that. And I know one of your questions is going to be kind of one of the things that has helped me um, stay in the Church of the Nazarene. Yeah. And it is that sense of family. Mm. One of the things I identified after, one of the things I really thought I liked about being in the Baptist church for a season was that we didn't know anybody. We didn't have anybody. We were on our own. We were a young family. And I loved that. Mm. As I grew and matured a little bit, I began to recognize just how important it is to have family and that consists yeah. not, you know, theology of doctrine and theology. And and so to go to a Nazarene church in Cuba, I walked in there, didn't know anybody, and immediately it was family. And I get some of that's cultural, but but there yeah. was something that bonded us together. And we had services and communion and all these things together because we are a, a global family. Yeah. So then uh, I'll wrap up my my long story here. Um after serving in Oxford, the Lord called uh, us here to PEI, and I'm from Prince Edward Island, and I never thought I'd move back. Sure. The island's great, but it's, you know, it, it's my home province, and I just never thought we'd move here. And yep. the Lord is, is awesome like that, and it has been phenomenal. Um, the healing I received in Oxford positioned me well for where we are now. And the, a lot of the baggage that I had then, I do not anymore. And yeah. um, I'm, I feel like I'm in the best days of ministry that I've ever been in. Um, yeah. is it, are there challenges? Of course there are. Um, but we have seen God do some amazing things. And the, the church here doesn't look anything like it did when we came three years ago. Not that that's good or bad. It's just that God is continually moving and shaping and molding. And so to be a part of something that is alive and and growing is, is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned at the onset that uh, I'm here as part of a transitional plan. Pastor yeah. Dave has been here is, is looking to at some point retire uh, from here specifically, probably in the next year, year and a half uh, okay. at his 40th milestone, which will also be like my, my 40th birthday, which is interesting. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at that point then uh, Lord willing and, and, and all of that, uh, then I'll be the the sole lead pastor here. But I'm in no hurry. I, the Lord's timing is perfect, and I'm enjoying every day. Yeah, that's cool. It's, the last thing is this, and I I say this often here is I'm so glad I'm here. Mm. I, I, like all those places are part of the story, but I, it is so important to be able to go. I am right now. I'm in the center of God's will for my life, for my family, of where we're supposed to be. Am I perfect in thought, word, and deed? No, I'm not. So I don't mean it like that, but I mean, I know where I'm supposed to be and we're here and what I'm supposed to be doing and we're doing it. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Appreciate, appreciate you sharing. I want to, I want to go back to the moment where you stepped outside of ministry a little bit sure. uh, and we don't have to get into all the details and stuff, but what, I'm just curious, what, what were some of the questions that you were asking? Like, what what was going through your mind that you were wrestling with? Um, that that made you say, 
I just need to, I just need to pull back or, or some of those kinds of things. I, I will say this. A lot of it was probably immaturity on my own part. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, and I think some of that stemmed from, um, I think there's multiple factors. Uh, a lot of it had to do with that educational component that I mentioned. And I, yeah. I, I really bucked against having to take these courses that had nothing to do with ministry yep. so that I could do ministry, yep. you know, and, and, and that was kind of where that was for me. And, and so like I had some, I can't go into the details. I had some phenomenal opportunities um, to position me really well for university and college. And I went to some great places and had some phenomenal support and I squandered it and I wasted it. Mm -hmm. And I had to go back to some people and apologize and like that, that invested in me in very real and tangible ways. Sure. And, and I was too immature to recognize what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there, there was that, and it wasn't so much a crisis of faith because I still believed, Okay. but it really did make me question my call because I'm like, okay, well, if this is the requirements and I don't want to do that or don't feel like I can do that, right? what does that mean? And Lord, why do I need to do this to serve people? Why can't I just go and and just serve? Sure. Uh, and so that was that was a lot of of that at the time. Yeah. And uh, if I'm just being, you know, super transparent, you know, paying bills. We sure. we we needed to we needed to pay bills, and yeah. uh, no one really wanted a cocky young adult that thought he knew everything and knew nothing. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. That's good. So in, in, in that moment or in that season, sure. is there, was, would there have been anything that, that someone could have helped you through that, like said to you, done for you? Um, because I mean, it sounds like there were people maybe trying yep. um, or giving, it was just. Yeah, yeah it, it very much so. Um, one of the things that I think is so important is having someone that just won't leave you or forsake you. Right. And good, obviously yeah. we know that, that God doesn't do that. <laughs> but there are people that, there are people that believed in me that never stopped believing in me that continue to pray for me. And now we're on the other side of it and we sit yeah. around the table. Now they're colleagues uh, with me, uh, sure. me with them, sorry. And, and we go through the journey of, of a, and I get to hear from their perspective, what they saw happening in me and through me and, right. And, and the prayers they prayed over me. So I, I, I don't know how to answer your question because we intentionally separated ourselves from the support system that we had. Right. And while, you know, Pastor John was phenomenal with the Baptist church to help call me back, we didn't have this long story and this long history. Right. You know, he didn't, he heard my story and gave me opportunity to serve and did challenge me with the educational component, but I still could not, for whatever reason, I was still like, I don't think I'm going to be a Baptist. Yeah. Nothing against nothing against them, but I just that just didn't my heart was never settled. It was for working there during that season, but not that yeah, long term. That, yeah, not long yeah. term. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, good. So, um, yeah. So then, let's talk more about where you're at right now. It, I think it's interesting. The it's uncommon to hear of pastors having a transition plan. Um, yeah, it doesn't happen. Know, yeah, much. and um, I. I was able to execute a transition plan when I left my previous church, which was cool. Mm -hmm. um, and it worked very kind of similar. Um, yeah. So tell me, tell me more about how, was that the intention of when you came on to that church? Is it? Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. So we were, the, we were in Oxford. We'd been there six years 
and ministry was going very well. Um, we were, I was involved, like you had a, a good youth group. Um, we were meeting a couple times a week and we had our own facility for youth and, and like, it was a community drop in like ministry in, in, uh, was going well. Uh, we were loving it there. The kids had friends and, you know, like life was, life was good. We lived yeah. next door to the church and people respected our privacy. Like life was good. What? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Seriously. We, we lived in the parsonage and we, I think we only at the, when we first moved there, did someone come in once, uh, and was like standing in our living room and we're like, uh, hello, but <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, but so, so we have a district camp called big Lake camp. And we were at our, our district's family camp for the summer. Uh, and, and Mandy and I privately were having conversations of, uh, again, that's my wife. We we're having conversations of, we don't know what, mm. but we just sense there's something, something is shifting, something is changing. And we, yeah. we felt like our time in Oxford was coming to a close, but we didn't know why, because everything seemed fine. It was great. Yeah. It was great. And uh, during, during family camp, Pastor Dave Filsinger, who is uh, the co-lead pastor here with me approached me during that camp and just said, Hey, could you come back to our camper? He and his wife, Pastor Nadine, Phil Singer, uh, they just wanted to meet with us and just have a chat. And I, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't presume anything. We just, um, we went and, right. and met with them and they pitched the idea of, of coming to PEI and coming to Sherwood uh, and, but that it wouldn't be for a year because there was still, uh, a lot of things that needed to happen before that could take place. Mm. And so we just said, and it wasn't the, the typical, well, we'll pray about it. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> right. But we said, we pray about it and, and we all prayed about it and, and, uh, and began this, uh, a season of, of prayer and searching and trying to figure out, recognizing that our time in Oxford was coming to a close. But does that mean that we're just supposed to jump on the first thing that comes our way? Next open door, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and it turned out in this case, yeah, yeah, it was. What I didn't know, and I've talked with Pastor Dave since, um, he's really, I will say this, and I'm not trying to oversell something. Um, what he has offered me here is unique. Mm -hmm. Most people do not have the opportunity that I'm being afforded to transition like this yeah. and to be involved in the conversations that a senior pastor has. You know what I mean? Like there are things that I get to learn before the burden is on my shoulders now. Yep. And, uh, but one of the things that has been an opportunity that I didn't anticipate and he said it and I thought, oh, that's cool. He said, I would like it to be like a father son relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, oh, well that's, that's not a, um, employer employee right. relationship. That's a little bit more intimate. Yep. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Sure. Because for me, Pastor Mark Collins, he was very much that for me. Okay. And so to think of that being someone else was, was, a, was difficult. Strange, yeah. Yeah, it was strange. But he has demonstrated time and time again uh, in his actions and how he cares for me and my family, how they, their, their whole family have embraced us. Um, you know, we, are, we have become family to them and them to us. So it, it's been the best possible situation yeah. in relation to that. But so uh, what I didn't know, and he shared with me was that he was scoping me out for quite a while. So on his end, oh, okay. he had been thinking of this transition plan, didn't have somebody. Um, and then, you know, I don't know how he saw me. I mean, we're on the same district. It's a small district. So sure. So there's that. Uh, and then watched me for a while before ever approaching me. 
And then once that happened and the church had been praying uh, mm. about this transition plan. So it wasn't just him. He involved the wow. board and, yeah. and the, the whole church. And so they're, they're praying. And so, you know, we do what norm, what you normally do for pastoral calls. You go and if you can play music, you lead worship and, right. and you bring a message and, yep. and, uh, and then Lord willing, there's a potluck and you answer a few questions right. and, and, and all that. So, so we did that a few times and, and the Lord just continued to impress, Hey, this, this is where he wants us. And at the time, the, um, oh, what's it called? The housing rate, like how many houses were available on the Island at the time, specifically in the city of Charlottetown was 0.001% availability. It was unbelievably small, like to find a place here. Yeah. And we wound up, there was a, we had a connection from someone that was in our church back in Oxford, who's aunt owned a rental, a duplex. Gotta and love, so, gotta, gotta love the Nazarene connections, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I cannot stress it enough how important that is. And we moved there, and the, you know there were kids on our street that immediately came over and welcomed our children. Like it wow. was huge. Uh, so, um, so yeah. So the, the transition. So then we just, we got into ministry here. I was serving as the youth leader at the time okay. as an associate pastor, but was helping with youth tech worship, stuff like that. Yeah. And over the last couple of years, specifically since ordination, um, have really shifted those responsibilities. So I transitioned out of youth and got someone else in. Okay. And I will say I was very fortunate in Oxford. Um, while it wasn't, like a long transition season, I was able to transition out and there was a team there that could uh, continue to the youth ministry and it's still going and thriving and, cool. and that's fantastic. Um, but, but so, so with the transition specifically after ordination, um, so this is a, a longer story, but one of our other churches on the district was in need of a pastor. And, and so pastor Dave and his wife have gone there part-time and now they're here part-time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So full-time, full-time serving, but part-time here, part-time there. So with that, because I'm here and this whole transition, like it's worked really well. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. You you got it. Like it's really created the opportunity for that transition to happen in a very organic way, because it's not just about transitioning leadership. It's about transitioning a congregation. It's about transitioning a board, you know, the, the ministry leaders with whoever the new person is and and them taking more of the responsibility now. So on a given week, I now shoulder the burden for here with pastor Dave, but more, probably more on my shoulders now than his. And they shouldered the the load at the O'Leary church, which, okay. God's sense of humor is phenomenal. The O'Leary church that they're serving at was my home church. It's the church I grew up at. Okay. That's what I was about to ask. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we just, sometimes we just sit down in our office and, and, uh, just kind of look at each other and go like, isn't God amazing? Yeah. Who would have thought? So, uh, so yeah, I I hope that kind of answers some of the transition stuff. There's, you know, the day in day out minutia of what that looks like, but he has given me the opportunity to learn a lot of things under his leadership, see how to do reports, see how to like submit stuff to the, to the head office you know, filling out the district forms and, and all this different stuff without me having to worry about, um, producing all of that. And, you know, uh, it's given the congregation time to learn, to trust me and me to trust them. And, 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 and if I keep saying positions me, but really, uh, this is positioning me well, because they have trusted him for almost 40 years. And if he says he trusts me, 
that yeah that matter, that really matters yeah. yeah uh so i'm very much benefiting from the trust he has earned and i totally recognize that and i try very hard not to take advantage of that yeah no that's that, that's wonderful um and so when when it comes down to um shared responsibility and yeah. what you guys are doing and and his his um role in the other church and and, and all those sorts of things what is that you know are you preaching every other Sunday? Are you, oh boy. you guys figure it out? Is it who runs board meeting? You know, like what, what does that look like? Or is yep. it always changing? So, so here's the thing, and we're going to get in the weeds uh, just a touch yeah. with how, how we govern ourselves. So there can only be one uh, chairman of the board and, right. and um, president of the corporation. Yep. And so he has already been that. So even though I'm ordained and have the co-lead pastor until, uh, until he retires from that, Right. I'm not. Now the board could decide, hey, we want it, we want to flip it and all that. But sure. practically speaking, it makes no difference. Yeah. So I am leading the board meetings uh, at this point, and the things that he would have normally led here, I'm I'm leading. Um, and he's been phenomenal with that. You you got to think, forty years of ministry. This is not a job. This is your life. Yeah. These people are not just people, congregants, people. Right. I, it's more than that. And so. Um, for him to give me the the opportunity to do this and to lead those things, like he has pulled back from things and put me there, and and let me take ownership of the things that he has led for his whole life. Yeah. Um. So in terms of like, so, so Sunday, uh, the <laughs> so our church is a little bit different, and in in what we do, the traditional uh, style, we'll just call it style of okay. a, a preaching model, we technically we're still preaching <laughs> i love that <laughs> let me just say this yeah yeah i already know that i love where this is going so this is good I'll, I'll give you i'll give you a prepper of what sparked this um okay i love this conversation so just before covid hit you can't have a podcast now without talking about covid right That's right I, I was trying not to but here we go sorry no, i said no, a and i brought up covid yeah. <laughs> one more strike and i'm done that's right um, yeah <laughs> But when COVID happened, the church shut down, everybody went home. And that happened very shortly after we moved here, actually. So what's interesting was we were here, we moved here in the summer, and then by March, uh, everybody went home. So we really didn't get to know anybody. And when we finally could come back, everybody was wearing masks, and we still didn't know who people were. It was weird. But, But this young adult came up to me at one point, and he said, Pastor Brad, I don't know what to do. And what he meant was like, now that we're not meeting, he goes, I don't like, I don't have the normal support. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. And I'm like, but you know how to like, you know how to read your Bible. And, and what we identified very quickly was that, and statistics, I think prove this out. It, most people forget what you've preached yep. by the, by the time they hit the parking lot and they're in their car, their minds on something else. And unless they were really dialed in in some way, yep. they probably forgot what you've said. And, and so we really took a step back and went, okay, for us. That doesn't invalidate everything we've said to this point, but in some ways we failed our people because we've not taught them how to self-feed. They've gone home and they don't know what to do. So what happened if we became the persecuted church in Canada Mm. and, and all of a sudden you didn't have your comfortable chair or your, you know, like we really wrestled with that. And so we're involved with something outside of the church of the Nazarene, which is called church renewal. And uh, I won't, this is not a promo or a plug for them, but one of the tools that they've developed, and it's a funny word, but it's called SMORP. 
And it's an acronym. It just means scripture, message, obedience, repentance, and prayer. And so you take a piece of scripture and you work through those steps. And each one of those acronyms have guided questions. But the whole purpose of it is at first glance, you just look and identify what jumps off the page to you. Then you move down into the M and you ask God, Lord, what are you saying to me in this passage? Mm. And so it stops you from just reading it for the sake of reading, but to actually go to listen and to hear God, because there are people that think that God only speaks to their pastor and that's right. just not true. Right. Um, and so then after you've written that down and you write down whatever you're hearing, you don't worry, you don't question, you don't get all that. Then you move into this obedience piece where you go, okay, Lord, what's one step that you can identify for me to take today in response to what you've shown me? So now there's this call to action of what am I going to do with what I just heard the Lord say? Then it moves down into repentance where the Lord invites us to, to confess where we've missed the mark. And so that just, that just drives pride into the ground yep. and, and creates in us a contrite, humble spirit where we actually stop and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us where we've missed the mark. And, and then we go into prayer, which we start with, we always start, no matter how, no matter how nasty that repentance piece may have been and, and all that you go into prayer and you thank the Lord that begins with Thanksgiving that ushers us into his presence. And, and then you go through these steps. So, so we immediately, uh, like I use this personally on a daily basis and have been for quite some time. So I've got these journals just filled with this and, and Pastor Dave does this, and we do this with our church renewal groups, um, their mentoring groups. And then, so we were like, what would it look like if practically speaking on a Sunday morning, so actually, so during COVID, we did a podcast style. I was doing, um, you and I talked b- before we started recording, I had been doing a podcast for a few years and Pastor Dave actually watched it and saw what we were doing. And we were oh, using cool. Smorp on the podcast and, uh, what we wound up doing for our church was using the podcast method because we went online. And so we would have a couple of guests. We had like a couple of general superintendents and district superintendents and nice. all that kind of stuff and, and people from all over. And we would, we would have, you know, an icebreaker and, and different stuff. And right. then we would have a smorp and the three, and the three or four of us would go through this together and share very conversational, very transparent, very authentic, you know, yeah. that's the whole point. But the, the biggest thing that we identified through this process was this, was people have become comfortable, um, uh, not comfortable, people have become huh, spectators. Yeah, they, they come to be entertained, they come for the warm, fuzzy feeling, they give their money, if they give their money, and then they leave. And then they come back next week, and I remember having a neighbor um, here in one of the places we live when we first moved that made a comment, you know, I go to church, it's my one hour of spirituality a week. And I'm like, oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what we wanted to do was, was say, okay, no more of that. We're going to create a culture of participation and engagement. And just by coming, you're being invited into something now that, uh, that, that you can partake in. Yeah. If you want to sit there and just listen, you can, but we're going to do our best to teach people how to self-feed so they have an, a fit, like an actual tool they can use at home, but we're going to model it here at the church. And we're going to change the narrative of pastors that you we want to talk about pastors burning out i think there's an unrealistic expectation that we are nigh onto jesus right. and that that if we dare be transparent and authentic you know it's not right. about airing out your dirty laundry but if you can't have real conversations about your own spiritual journey and where you're at with your people like why are we asking people to do something we're unwilling to do yeah. and why are we teaching our pastors 
I had a pastor tell me I can't trust my congregation yep. because they'll burn me. Yep. yep. I'm sorry, but I have found that. Have I been burned? Yeah, because love is a risk. That's right. And and it takes it's it's risky. But so on a Sunday morning, if you came here to Sherwood, what you would find are we don't have pews, we have tables, round tables laid out in our sanctuary, and we have chairs around them, usually around uh, five or six. And, and, and people come in, they bring their coffee. They bring, some people bring their McDonald's and have their breakfast with like, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and, and we're online. Um, but the whole point of the tables was more than just, it was to create a space that was intimate, but also um, less formal intentionally. Sure. So, but it also creates conversation around the table. Mm. Um and, and it's a place where you can physically put down a, a notepad and take notes if you're going to yeah. do this more. But we also use an app called the Church Center app, which you may have heard of. It's through Planning Center. And we have a chat every Sunday where as Pastor Dave and myself or myself and whoever, um, we have, oh man, I'm, I'm so scatterbrained. I love what we're doing and I just love talking about it. Um, if you were to look at our platform, we have two tables at the front, you know, maybe six feet apart, just okay. flat round tables that are kind of up to our chest or so, or well, eh, anyway, you know, and I've got my laptop up there and, and he's got his notes or, or whoever I've got with me on a Sunday. And we, we do a smorp together. What's been so cool is that we never share our notes. We never talk about it during mm. the week. You know, the scripture, we know where we're going in terms of like what our theme is. And so we have scriptures off of that, and, but we never talk to try to be like, Hey, what did you say about this? And, right. and you know, how did the Lord speak to you? I want to make sure that mine lines up. Yeah. What has been amazing is without fail, every single Sunday, the Lord has spoken uh, clearly and concisely. And, and while there may be a different application for both of us, we're in different stages of life, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. There's a unifying theme that has continued to always run through. So that's what it looks like for us. And, but we invite people to engage in that live on Sunday morning. And so they use this church center app, or if you're on Facebook or on YouTube, they, they will chime in as well. So when we say, Hey, what's the to you in this passage, all of a sudden on my laptop, I've got, you know, what people are saying in church and I'll bring what they're saying into our conversation. Yeah. So I'm like, Hey, you know, Rob in the sound booth right now, who should be on the soundboard, but is actually doing this. <laughs> this is how, this is what jumped off the page to him. And, and so it becomes less about what pastor Dave and pastor Brad are saying yeah. and more about what is God saying to us together. And, and working through that, because I'm a firm believer that if you participate in something, you don't forget about it. Yeah. And if we can teach people to self-feed, then when they go home on Monday, they've got the tools there. Can, I can't make them do it, but I'm going to do sure. my best to teach them how. Yep. And there has been, and I will say um, in closing <laughs> to this point, there's been fallout from what we've, what we've done. Sure. Um, there were people that were, and I, and I, I, I totally get this. So this is not, I don't mean this judgmentally in any way. Um, there were people that were very uncomfortable with being transparent about yep. where they're at. Yep. They did not like the call to being participants. They wanted to just come to church, hear a message yep. and leave. Yep. And there are people that don't like our style, but still continue to come and still participate. But they're like, you know, I kind of like preaching better, but I'm willing to, to go here. Endure this. And yeah. I, and I'm, that's, I'm, I'm cool with that. I understand that. But it it made me sad, and there were longtime families sure. wound up leaving because they just they would not they would just they just wouldn't take that step. Yeah, that was too bad. But that happens yeah. 
with any kind of change, but this was a big one for our church. Um, yeah. And COVID kind of created the opportunity for it because we did that style with the podcast and the, it, the response was positive. And when we brought it, just the way that we transitioned back into our sanctuary created the opportunity and we were fortunate to seize on it. Um, yeah. So, oh, that's cool. yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so do you guys, you guys, so you guys live stream then your, your service in that yep. kind of setting. So if people wanted to take a look and see what that looks like, what's the name of your, your church? Uh, our church is called the, yeah, the Sherwood Church of the Nazarene. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by just going, you know, facebook.com and then the at or whatever, uh, Naz P-E-I, N-A-Z-P-E-I. Or if you went on our YouTube, I believe it is, um, you know, youtube.com. And then uh, for the user, it's S-C-O-T-N for Sherwood Church of the Nazarene. But if you search up Sherwood Church of the Nazarene, you'll find it there. You'll find them. You'll yeah. find it. Yeah, oh, that's that's cool. I love that. And I love the uh, I love the conversation, right, that that happens not just between you and, and, and the pastors on the stage, right, or your guests, but also um, as a group. Um, yeah. Uh, and and the technology now today, right, allows for some of this, right, allows something 10 years ago would have been very much more difficult to do. Um, very, very much so. Yeah. And we have seen there have been a few there have been new families that have come and their connection to us has been online first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the beautiful thing is they can take part in the service online, see who we are, how we do it. And then, and then, and, sh and then they come Yeah, and it's like, they're seeing online. And um, so that, you know, online has been, is, has been huge. Uh, and I think I like, I think about my generation and our generation yeah. and like the, what, when I look for something for my kids, or I hear about a program, I go online first to go look yeah, it up. Like exactly. I, yeah. I don't go anywhere without looking online first. Yeah. So we are trying to embrace technology and we're trying to we're I mean, we're trying to have our cake and eat it too, because yeah. we we've got we have a consistent group that are that are online with us, but are not physically connected here. And so the the tension is well, how do you engage them in ministry? Because yeah. they you know they need to be connected to a home church as well. Um, so what does it look like to engage them in ministry, not to, and, and also engage our own people? We want to, we want to do right by both groups and we're trying to find creative ways to bring both groups together, which is an interesting conversation. Uh, and one we've not fully answered, but we're, you know, we're, we're working on it, Yeah. but it's so cool to have people from across the country that recognize people in our congregation now and will send messages that they're praying for them or vice versa. Like it's, cool. yeah. it's so neat. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Um, no, very good. Um, so I've I've more of an interesting question for you. Oh, what what does a Canadian potluck look like? Oh, brother, it's a lot of sandwiches and it's a lot of weird meats that you've never seen before, and a lot of cream cheese in a lot of places you wouldn't expect cream cheese. I mean, that just sounds like an American potluck. I, I think I think we're we're at the same same place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay. Is there? Let me let me just. What other? What stereotype can I hit here? <laughs> poutine, poutine. However you say it. Yeah. Um, I I don't know that I've ever been in a potluck that's actually had any. Oh, okay. So, no, I mean it's it's just your straightforward potluck. Yeah. Uh, it it's the sandwiches. It's like what is this thing between two pieces of bread? And I'm yeah. gonna. Eat, I will say this. If it wasn't for potlucks, I wouldn't like egg sandwiches or egg salad sandwiches. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And those became a staple. Yeah. Uh, okay. I believe that. Yeah. For me. Yeah. 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 It, 
the first time I saw Jello and broccoli in the same, whoa, case, I was I was out. I said, this isn't right. This isn't right. You can't mix up two worlds. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's terrible. Yes. Yeah. My wife, my wife is uh, a picky eater. If it's not just like chicken, potatoes, and vegetables, wow. she she's out. She's out. That's, yeah. And it's done a disservice to our children, but that's beyond the point. Um, <laughs> potlucks for her are like the scariest thing ever. And sure. then she she wound up having you know like can't have dairy, can't have gluten. Oh, so geez. like a potluck is just an invitation for um yeah. what. A trip to the hospital. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Do, with, do with that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brad, I appreciate what yeah, I appreciate all the story and 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 the conversation. But what I want to kind of end with here is, um, I mean, I think you've you've had a great a great ministry of people investing in you. Um, you not listening, right? I mean, and but even still, finally, think God grabbing a hold of you, bringing you in, giving you opportunity. But a legacy of pastors who have who have allowed you to have opportunity, um, which is beautiful. So, what what advice would you give to young pastors who maybe just starting out ministry, maybe asking some of those same questions? What what would you tell them? Uh, this is this might sound like a pat answer, but it is. Uh, I found it to be true, and I I wish I would have learned it from, uh, when I was younger, which was to humble yourself. Yeah, like submit submit to a pastor and authority over you and and trust the lord you know seek first his kingdom right and then all these things will be added onto you uh so so really be willing to submit to a senior pastor's leadership and and heed their advice don't you know um now that that's that's really it and yeah like ju just continually humble yourself you um we we come out of of university and you know seminary and all these things with what we think are all the right answers and we're ready to go we're young we're full of energy and we just want to do it and go and let me go now and i have learned an awful lot about being patient and about being humble and and i'm not saying i'm perfect uh, at that but uh it has saved me an awful lot of heartache and hurt when I've heeded the advice of others and sought it out. So now yeah. I'm in a different stage of life, right? Like where even though Pastor Dave technically now, he and I are co-lead pastors, which means he's not technically my boss anymore. I still submit to him as though he is because I need that relationship to remain intact. I need someone that, that I will submit to. And I don't think that that's just for young pastors. Yeah. If I can be honest. Yeah. I, I think we all need to have someone that we'll be willing to submit to. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, that family, that community that, that you realized at one point, right, that you were missing, mm -hmm. um, that, you, that was one of the reasons you, you wanted to come back. And I think that, yeah, and I, I would absolutely agree. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So what, yeah. what, what do you tell older pastors then? Um, pastors that um, you have maybe, yeah, been in ministry for 40 years or whatever it is, what can you do? What would you tell them to help, help younger pastors, help them in their leadership, that stuff? Man, this, I mean, this will not come as a surprise, um, but we, we really need our retired pastors uh, and, and maybe those that are nearing that or have been in ministry, like you have so much to give. And, yeah. and the, I think the hard thing is we have created a culture, I, I think, and I, could be, I can be, I'm happy to be proven wrong. I think we've created a culture where when you become the lead pastor, it's just you and Jesus. And yes, there's the board and all that other stuff. 
But the idea of transition and mentoring are, are great terms that we talk about, but they take a lot of work to actually implement. And it, it takes sharing your life. So my, my, it's not advice because I mean, I, I do it in my own way here. There are, I'm, I'm, while I'm not even the, the lead pastor here, I'm already thinking and asking the Lord, okay, Lord, help me to identify the next generation. Like who's, who's coming up behind me? Because, you know, you talked about a study that's been done. It's, <clears throat> it's troubling. Um, yeah. there, we look in Canada at who's coming up next for our churches in Atlantic Canada. It's, it's pretty bleak yeah. with, you know, we've got a lot of pastors that are getting close to being retirement age. And there's going to be a lot of empty pulpits with no one coming up. So what yeah. does that look like? Yeah. So for, for the older pastors, I would say, um, be willing to share your life with, with a young pastor that's coming up and, um, and risk um, being transparent and authentic with them um, and sharing the fail, the failures, you know, some of, some of the best things I've learned, like the successes are great. But being able to actually sit down and go, here's where it, it just didn't work. And this was where my heart was at. And this is why it was there, like, yeah. has really helped me. Um, that would that would be what I'd ask of of our older pastors, which you and I are becoming. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, that's 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 beautiful. Um, no, I and I, I thank you for your your creativity in your ministry. Um, I, I appreciate you being being open and honest today. and. Um, in our conversation, it, it, it inspires me. Um, you know, I, I, I've had ministry of very, I think very similar to year of, I was actually the one pastoring two churches and helping share pulpits and, and yeah. things like that. Um, and, and the context I'm in now is more of a traditional church context. Um, because I've only been here a year and a half going on two years and, um, yeah, just that I think the future of the church when I think about in 10 years, most people say, I don't know if there's going to be a church, right? Uh, there's, there's some of those, those, uh, those warning signs of, especially when we look at studies like this and so on. Um, but I think that creativity, that willingness to say, we just have to do something different, right? Of what are, what are, what are ways that are working, especially reaching the young people, right? Of uh, making opportunities of not forsaking the goodness that's happening in, in a, you know, traditional, quote unquote, traditional church, um, but, but just reimagining the, the initial idea. So um, yeah, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, they're up in Canada. I think God even moves up there, um, but definitely. Um, yeah, he absolutely does. Thanks. Us. Yeah. So I've heard. So I've heard. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I want to throw one last thing at you, if you don't yeah. mind. You yeah. had asked the question as you prepped me for this and sent me some kind of where we might be headed. There was one of the things that you asked um, that just jumped off for me. Yeah. And I'd be remiss if I didn't have the opportunity to yeah. say it. One of the things that has kept me committed to being in the church of the Nazarene and why I'm a pastor in yeah. the church of the Nazarene. And even if I wasn't, I'd continue to be a member is because we have a theology of hope. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and that has been so huge. I've worked in other settings where that isn't the case, where it's yeah. a theology of despair. And man, that is not what the gospel is about. That's not yep. what the resurrection is about. It's yep. about hope. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I know the studies. I see the trends. And it's not blind hope because we are able to look 
through the tenor of scripture and the church and our church history and see how God has moved and continued to move. And the, the church will still be there. It will look different. It That's has right. to look different. That's right. It has to, but the church will still be there. Jesus said he'd build his church. Right. So right. if he said it, I'm going to take him to the, to the bank on that one. Yeah. And I'm just going to try to be faithful to what he's called me to here. But we have a theology of hope, and I have a hope today that I will be more like Jesus tomorrow than I was today. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is everything. And, and he says that we can be. And he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can be. So I have hope, man. Uh, and that keeps me in the Church of the Nazarene. Yeah. No, that's, that's beautiful. I, I, so the, the, the phrase we use at our church is life-changing hope. Uh, yeah, nice. That that is our gospel, right? That is what we do. That should navigate everything we do as a church. Is we are offering hope to people. We're offering hope to our lives. We're offering hope to our community, um, wherever we go. And and that is, yep, that's a very Nazarene through and through statement. Um, that's what started in the streets of L.A. at Skid Row, offering hope to people who are hopeless. Um, and so that's that's beautiful. Cut me off if we need to stop. Okay, I have a I have a question for you. All right. You've read the studies. Do you think that part of the reason why there's been a mass exodus from church and why pastors have been leaving, and it's not just us, but that there's been this narrative that salvation is only about like fire insurance, that basically you get saved and then you just wait until heaven? And I, I know that's, that's dangerous. Yeah. You want to be careful. I answer that because that, that, that narrative is very pervasive and, yeah. and the gospel and the resurrection is all about that. God is a God of new creation and that yep. we today get to practice and be a part of the new creation that he's bringing when he comes back at the second coming. So like, we're not just being, we're not being saved for heaven. We're being saved so that we can be active participants today in bringing the kingdom of God now, right now into the world. And that, see, that gets me excited. But when I think about just getting saved now, okay, now I just, I just wait. And, and, and there's no hope for being better tomorrow. There's no hope for this relationship. There's no hope for this government, this world, whatever. I mean, uh, why would I stay? Yeah. Yeah. I no, I think that's, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I don't know that that is the reason, um, but no, I, I think it is absolutely a major reason. I mean, it's one of the reasons I really wrestled when I was younger of if, if I'm going to stay in this church or not. Um, and yeah, and I'm, and I'm not scared to talk about this because I yell it from my pulpit all the time. Um, Great. Of, of saying, hey, if, if the only reason we're here in church and the only reason we're following Jesus is just because we're scared of maybe what might come if we die, um, I'm sorry, you're not following Jesus. Um, you're not doing, you're following a selfish, you know, self-preservation gospel. Um, mm. and, and that's, and I think our, our generation and, and really even the generation, you know, Gen Z um, or whatever you want to call them, um, though, that is what we've seen as inauthentic and, and makes us angry um, and those sorts of things because we find people who are living lifestyles or make choices that are not Christian um, or not, doesn't align with our moral ethics and those things. Um, and people who are in that self-preservation place cast hate and whatever it is of saying, well, but you're going to burn in hell because of X, Y, or Z, um, yeah. of course, and we get upset. And so, um, yeah, I think it, it's this, the concept of building the kingdom now 
um, that we actually bring about the kingdom by our work, right? By what we're doing, yeah. um, by the things. I think that's exactly what Jesus was saying. And I've gotten more pushback from people by me saying that exact phrase than I think anything else I've preached. Yep. Um, because they're like, no, 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 God's going to bring about his kingdom, right? It's just our job to wait and, and pray and, and prepare. And I'm like, no, 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 we bring it about. Um, we are the hands and feet. We are the movement of God. And um, I, yeah, I think, and I think that's part of that. It, and it, in addition, it's, I mean, a lot of the pastors, I, I, uh, I don't know the numbers of this, but I, a lot of the pastors that are leaving the Nazarene church and those things, it's not that they're just sitting on their couch every day, right? They're not just checking out and saying, I mean, there are those. Um, sure. But most, I mean, pretty much most of my friends that I've seen leave the Nazarene church, they're going to other churches, right? It's not that they're going to churches who are doing that. Um, they're going to churches who are who are caring for their communities and their poor and and the lost and broken and rejected. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's it's more of yeah. How can we recapture? I think maybe our roots of what what we Absolutely. really really started doing as the church, what Christ calls us to, to have that kingdom mindset um, in good ways. Yeah. Thoughts. Well, it, 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 it changes everything that we do. It, every yeah. conversation that we have in the community, you view it differently. Yep. You recognize it as an opportunity. And it doesn't mean that you become some weirdo, right? But, but you right. recognize just in the normal day-to-day -day relationships that you have, you are, you are a kingdom bringer with Christ, yes. right? Like you get to be a part of that. Yeah. And, and it permeates everything that we are supposed to be about. Yep. It, it has, I'm sure you can see, like, this has captured me in a way that it never has before. I've, and I, I will just say this, and then I'll, I'll leave it here. I was listening to a podcast uh, called the Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. Yeah, okay. Uh, if, you, if you know who N.T. Wright is, he's an Anglican yeah. bishop, but uh, retired. And anyway, he has written a ton of books, and one's called Surprised by Hope. And, and he was talking about this. And this revelation has come to me since I've been in PEI. So this is within the last maybe year and a half, two years. Nice. He was, he was talking about the kingdom. And he said, most people think that when you die, the whole point is, to go, is you get saved to go to heaven. But Jesus talks about the fact that we're going to be with him on the new earth after. So he's yeah. like, so he said, I'm not so concerned about life after death. I'm talking about life after life after death. Yep. And, and all of a sudden I was just faced with this reality mm -hmm. of my goodness, I've read that so many times. What am I doing? Yeah. And I was out for a walk at the time. And I, I can remember uh, just stopping right there and everything I thought I knew just got unraveled on the side of the road. And I've spent the last uh, year and a half, two years really diving into this whole kingdom theology and understanding yeah. what it means. And it's changed everything about what I do, who I am. Um, how I teach my children, like, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It makes me wonder this. What am I missing right now? Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I don't have all the answers and I recognize yeah. that. So yeah. I just try to stay open to the Holy spirit to reveal things and bring the people into my life to, to help shape and mold me, but also staying firm. Like we, you know, I have that foundation anyway. Yeah. I, I could talk with this for a long time. <laughs> No, that's cool. That, and and I think it, no, and th this definitely I think ties into a lot of churches, a lot of pastors have been frustrated that young families since COVID, especially, 
have not come back to church, right? They're just watching online. Um, yep. I don't know if it's the same in Canada. Um, it is. And, yeah. And a lot of those families, at least the ones that I've interacted with, their answer when you say, hey, yeah, we've missed you Sunday, Sunday. What do you, you know, I know you've been watching online, you know, how's, how are things going? And, and their, their response is, you know, church for us really changed during COVID. And we recaptured something of doing church as a family we've never been able to do before. And we really love that. Um, and I'm like, that's awesome, right? That's beautiful. But then I, every week, my 70-year-old someone says, you know, well, you know, we really haven't seen them in a while. You know, what's going on? Um, and I think that's part of this. And so one family that I've been, that are really close friends with my wife and I, they, they, um, they come to church every once in a while um, in person, but they um, do church together as a family more and more often. They have two, two younger kids. Um, but they started, they started seeing Sunday mornings, all of their neighbors are out in their neighborhood. And they've never seen that before because they've been at church all day. And so they started walking and they started growing produce in their backyard and they started sharing produce with their neighbors. And, and this garden swap thing happened, emerged. And, and I don't necessarily want to call it a ministry because it's not a church thing. It's a yeah. kingdom thing. Um, yeah. It's just doing life with people God has placed you with. And that, that's something to celebrate. And yet I've got people, and I love my church, and, and they're, they're stretching and they're, they're trying to reimagine things. But there's people who really struggle with the idea of, well, they're just not here Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, how do, again, how do we continue to create this creative and space for reimagining and space for doing things different? Um, as long as we, again, we're committed to a very family approach, right? We're committed to being yeah. a part of God's family. Um, of, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It, 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 and we could yeah. talk all day, but. It's a, tr- it's a tricky one to navigate, for sure. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, Brad, again, thank you for your time. I think this, is, this has been wonderful. Um, I, uh, as I said at the beginning, I know um, the Church of the Nazarene, we are better because of you uh, and your ministry. Oh. Um, oh. Uh, even even if even though you may be Canadian, uh, oh come on! Yeah. <laughs> no, probably even better because you are. Um, so it's it's beautiful to hear what you you are doing um, up in in your neck of the woods, and um, and looking forward to see uh, what God has in store for you of what's next. Uh, even even when you grow older than forty um, in, in these <laughs> years ahead, um, but blessings on you and your family and your ministry. Um, uh, I hope God continues to bring new ideas as you expand the kingdom and, and think creatively in those things. Last thoughts as we close up here. It's been a pleasure to be with you, uh, John. And uh, thank you again for having me. Thank you to those that, that listened. And I will leave you with uh, an exit that I picked up from our general superintendent, uh, Dr. David Graves, at our last assembly. He preached a message on grace and peace, and he challenged us to go out there and when you go through the drive through at your coffee spot, when you say, you know, instead of saying hello or when you were saying goodbye, offer them grace and peace. Mm. See what happens. So to all the listeners and to you, John, uh, I just offer the grace and peace of Jesus. Wonderful. And thank you so much. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for listening here. Season eight of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. And may indeed grace and peace be with you as you go. Thanks, guys.
Since we love millennials so much on this podcast, we thought it would be appropriate to promote our fellow millennial authors. Here's one now. Grace and peace, friends. My name is Brent Neely, and I recently compiled the book of Ancient Prayers, 365-plus prayers from the saints of the church. This is a daily prayer book which can be utilized to introduce you and others to different historic prayers throughout our history. It ranges all the way from the first known prayer outside of Scripture up until prayers from the turn of the century. It utilizes people from all around the world bringing together a resource that can be used to dive deeper into your prayer life. I hope you all enjoy it. Peace. Support this author and our podcast by clicking the link in the description. Thank you. The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. This season's guest host is Jonathan Wren. Original music by Andrew Jones. This podcast is part of the Millennial Pastor Podcasting Network. For more podcasts like it, please visit themillennialpastor.com. Thank you so much for listening, and please consider rating, reviewing, or subscribing so both you and other fans of Millennial Pastors can join us on the next episode of the Millennial Pastor Podcast.